All right, welcome everybody. Uh, how many of y'all were here last Sunday, heard Kay talk? It was a part two series message on silencing the noise. And Kay talked a lot about um, taking away distractions in your life, about uh, finding things that occupy our time and we could be more focused on doing things for God. And what's funny is, uh, I don't remember, somebody else was supposed to speak today, and he, um, he asked me if I would do the part two of this message. We didn't discuss, you know, what he was going to talk about or what I was going to talk about. We did our outline separately. And it's funny how well they tied together. I mean, God is so good when he really wants something to be spoken. He makes sure that everybody that is listening puts it out there. So apparently for those five minutes that God was speaking to me and Cade, we didn't have any extra noise out there. Amen. I messed up the last time that I spoke up here, and I really didn't give you guys much of a testimony on myself uh, and how I got to preaching God's Word. Um, you guys know we've gone to Mexico many times. I love Mexico. Uh, that's why I married a Mexican woman. Um, <laughs> Todos conocen a mi esposa, Shalina. So, um, no, I'm teasing. There was a joke going around on Facebook. Uh, there was a picture of Shalina and Shayla on their first day of college. And Pastor Mark, being the guy that he is, he said, Oh, that was so nice of you to adopt a little Mexican exchange student. Talking about <laughs> my wife. But, you know, when we were in Mexico, um, we, we've gone twice together now, and she uh, does kind of resemble the locals, and they would come up to her just assuming that she speaks Spanish and would just rattle off a whole bunch of things. I only picked up like five words. They were speaking so fast, and she just said, English, and, uh, you know, but... Uh, we love Mexico. We love the missions uh, trip there in Mexico. You know, pastors going to the Philippines. Um, but this last trip in March, we were at the end of the trip, and Ben and his family had traveled up to the border with us to Del Rio, Texas, and they were picking up the New York team that was coming down and was going to drive back down with them. Well, that Sunday morning, we were thinking we were going to drive home, uh, it's a 12-hour drive, um, but Ben talked us into going to church that morning and really felt an anointing to go to that church, and and he said, you're going to preach, and I was like, oh my goodness, no, I've been preaching all week long, I'm, you know, but when God asks you to do something, you just do it, right, amen? So I went to that church, and I remember thinking, I've got this message that I hadn't preached yet in Mexico, and I couldn't wonder why, you know, but it made sense that morning that this was the one for these people. And I'm in there that morning, and they were doing praise and worship. And uh, if you've not been to a Latino church to listen to praise and worship, you've got to go just for the experience because you may not understand what they're singing about, but I can tell you it's about God and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes down. It comes down. I saw people, they're bringing their own tambourines. Dancing up and down the aisles, they're shaking and waving cloths and everything else, and they're freedom. Because that's what, that's what Christianity is, right? It's a freedom. 
And these people understood that, and it really got a hold of me that morning. And, and after I got through preaching the message, so many of them came up to me and spoke and blessed. And then while they were doing that, that's when God told me, he said, you're going to do this. This is what you're going to do. I want you to, to give my word to my people. I said, okay. So here we are, uh, Sunday number two. So part two of, uh, oh, real quick, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I'm bouncing all over the place. Last week, uh, I I got to thinking, you know, we had spoken in here a long time ago. I think Mark even asked the question, do the people you work with know that you go to church? You know, does other people in your family know that you're a Christian? And uh, I had not told the people that I worked with that I had answered a call to preach. And I thought, you know, this is really important. If I'm really going to be obedient to God and I'm really going to do this the right way, I got to let the guys at work know. And I even invited him. Uh, Jorge, uh, he made it. Uh, really, really glad he came. Um, you guys pray for him because he has to work for me, and I'm not the easiest person to deal with. But uh, Jorge and everybody else at work, they make me look good. And uh, it's a blessing to serve them in the capacity that I do because they do so many great things up there just making good drinking water, just doing what I tell them, dealing with me. It's, it's really a blessing, and uh, I know God's going to have an extra crown for them when they make it up to heaven. All right, so now to the meat. Let's get to the meat. Uh, with getting rid of the noise that you see a lot of times in your life, you have to, uh, like Cade said, you have to start plucking things away that are distracting you. And when you think about how we get distracted, uh, God pointed out to me, he said, it's, it's, it's not just what we're seeing, but it's what we're hearing, and it's also what we speak. And it's really hard, even though God gave us two ears, it's really hard for us to hear when we're too busy doing this, or we're too busy just looking around and not being focused on what God wants us to be focused on. And... God's going to speak to us. He has many avenues that He does. He does it through the Holy Spirit. He does it through His Word. You know, you've got to read this thing if you want to hear God's voice. Amen? Um, but you have to be able to also silence the frequency around you in order to hear the Holy Spirit speak through your, you know, up here. And sometimes that requires uh, really just kind of getting into your own bubble. You know, sometimes I find myself in my truck. When I'm driving to work or home from work, I'll turn the radio off, and it's amazing that I can drive as far as I do without paying attention to what's going on, but I just get into this little <laughs> bubble and just start talking to God and listening to Him, you know, and that's important. There's, there, when you have a conversation, it's two ways. If I'm going to talk to Jody, I need to pause and let him reciprocate and give me some words back. And the same relationship happens with God. If you're going to talk to God, you need to pause and listen for what he has to say. A lot of us seem to be really nervous about talking to God. Uh, I'm one of them. You know, it's, there's this big guy sitting up there in the clouds. It's what I imagine sometimes in this huge thunderous voice with a lightning bolt ready to pierce me at any time. And it's, uh, it's kind of scary, you know, if you let it. But then, like we were talking about this morning, bless you, Dylan, for reminding everybody that, that God's love overcomes everything, and you should be able to approach God. You should be able to invite God into that little bubble that you put yourself in, 
And one of the examples or ways we do this is actually through prayer. This is how we speak to God. And that is the most important thing that God wants you to understand this morning is to, to silence everything, to get in tune with Him, you need to learn how to pray. And I'm not saying that everybody in this room has to be a great public speaker, that uh, you've got to have such a way with words like Mark does. Um, I'm saying that you just have to feel comfortable to say, thank you, Jesus. It's that simple. You have to feel comfortable to say, I love you, Lord. Something that simple. Those are prayers, speaking to God. It's not, you know, yeah, it's important to get on your knees, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord to close your eyes and bow your head, all of those things that we see. But the Bible also says to be in constant, fervent prayer. And how I, I mean, how am I going to get anything done if I'm constantly on my knees? I have responsibilities, and God understands that, but He wants us to be in thought all the time. One of the best examples of prayer, because in the Bible that I found, um, has to do with, with your heart. Where is your heart at while you pray? You know, um, I could easily pray for God to give me endless riches. And, you know, I would not be wrong in doing so, but what is my heart going to do with those riches? God already knows the answer to that question. That's why I still work for my money. Um, <clears throat> but I want to look at one, one point in the Bible uh, where the heart was more genuine in the prayer. Um, in Genesis, uh, we'll go to that first verse that I got. It's in, in the book of Genesis, and by, I just want to say I love Genesis. It is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. Uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. We've got the story of Abraham uh, right here. It's, it's kind of unfolding to, almost to a pinnacle. He hasn't quite yet had Isaac yet. But he and Lot had already separated, and they had been through a lot up to this point as well. And in chapter 18, we start to see uh, a little situation unfold. <clears throat> but it starts out with, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Abraham knew exactly who was there, those three men. He knew that was Jesus standing right there in front of him, and he recognized it, and he ran to him because he did not want Jesus to pass him by. He wanted to fellowship with God for a little bit, so his heart was already in the right place. And that's, that's kind of what we need to start preparing the groundwork in ourselves. We need to start getting our heart in the right place, you know, share some of that godly love and really get in tune for that. Abraham and Lot, so before, before this point, they had kind of a, a spat, if you all remember that story where... They were overcrowding the area, and Abraham being wise, he said, all right, Lot, you choose. You go this way or go this way, and I'll go the opposite. And Lot being the irresponsible nephew that he was, he went essentially the wrong way. And it wouldn't have been the wrong way if his heart would have been in a better place, but uh, as it turns out later in the Bible, we find out that um, it was not so much where Lot was supposed to be. And 
I think Abraham knew this, and I think he stayed close enough that he could still see Lot's tent and his group and all of that because he was able to run to the Lord to begin intercession. I think Abraham already knew why God was there. See that? Okay, so Lot, he went towards Sodom, and he had pitched his tent door towards Sodom. Every day when he gets up, he comes out of his tent, and that's the first thing he sees is that wicked town. Every day, these things become normal. And he gets closer, and then he gets closer, and he gets closer. And then later in the Bible, now Lot's in the city. He is totally unobstructed by what is going on inside that town. And that, that's a whole other message. I don't even know where that come from. But uh, simply put, guys, Lot's heart was not in the right place. He was not obviously beginning his day with the right prayers, or he maybe he just wasn't doing a regular routine of it because he was not recognizing that the things that he was looking at were not what he was supposed to be looking at. He was letting those things become normal to him so that he was able to justify his surroundings and without him knowing, the town around him was fixing to be destroyed by God, but he was unaware because he was too focused on what's right in front of him. So we got the Trinity, we've got Jesus, and, and you know he has come in now, and he's coming in to look at things and stops by and has a little lunch with Abraham. And Abraham, knowing all of these things, well, he didn't know it yet. God kind of asked, you know, hey, do we let Abraham know? Do I hide this thing from Abraham that we're about to do? And that's important. that was an important passage to me when I, when I read that because I thought, how special must Abraham be? How close are they really if God is considering letting Abraham in on the information? You know, um, must have been pretty close, you know. So he lets Abraham know. He says, hey, I've come in to look at Sodom, and I've come in to see just how wicked this town is. Abraham already knew, uh-oh, my nephew's over there in that town. And I could just hear the panic in his voice when I read that. You know, I'm thinking, would I, I mean, I would do the same. we got kids, right? All of us that's got kids, we know if, if one of ours is in trouble, we, we want to go help. So Jesus stays with Abraham, and he sends the two men or the two angels off to Sodom. And Abraham sees an opportunity at this point. Uh, starting at verse 16, um, he, he kind of gets close to Jesus. And he gets in where he doesn't have to raise his voice, and he starts interceding now. You know, basically, if you find 50 righteous people, would you then not save Sodom? And Jesus says, well, yeah, if I find 50 righteous, I'll save Sodom. He says, well, then if you find 45, 40, 35, 30. And, and every time Jesus concedes and he says, yes, and Abraham persists even further because he knows that to find 50, that's a stretch. But he's testing the waters. He wants to see just how much can he get. You know, maybe Abraham himself is thinking, if I can't get him down to the number that I know is going to save my family, I might need to hurry up and saddle up a horse and go. 
pull Lot out. I'm not sure what his, his motive was behind it other than I need to save Lot and his family. And he got Jesus whittled all the way down to 10. And if you look in, in Genesis 18, uh, verses 32 and 33, it says, Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak out once more. This is Abraham speaking right now. He says, Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Abraham prayed multiple times. He pleaded with God, but he did so to save the righteous. And even though Lot was not in the situation he was supposed to be, he was still righteous. He was still one of God's. And he meant something to Abraham, and Abraham did intercession in there. The prayer itself doesn't have to be eloquent. If you go back and read that 18th chapter, you can see that Abraham didn't have fancy words. He just said, hey, God, if you find 50, how about 45? How about 40? He's not up here saying, oh, holy God, with the host of angels and the multitude in the midst of me, ah, forget all that nonsense. God wants you to get direct with him. He wants you to speak to him like we speak to each other. He, I mean, he, I'm sure he enjoys the eloquent words and the fancy talking, but y'all hear me talking right now. I don't sound like somebody that came out of Harvard. I sound like somebody that crawled out from under the woodshed, and sometimes I look like it, but God still allows me to approach him with a voice as simple as mine and speak to him one-on-one and get done what needs to get done. Let's look at another example of prayer. Uh, I want to jump all the way forward. We're going to go to the New Testament now uh, into the book of Luke. And in chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, we've got another example of where is the heart when you pray. I didn't write the verses down on paper because I thought I'll just look them up. So you be patient with me. I didn't want you guys to stare at the back of my head, so I'm going to read them in the front of me. All right. Y'all got it there. I got it here. We're ready to go. Uh, so this, this, is, this is Jesus speaking now, and he's giving this parable. Um, and this is a really great story. Uh, also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So already we know what the tone of this parable is going to be about. Uh, verse 10 says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other man, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Y'all ever prayed that before? Thank God I'm not like my neighbor. Not Carrie. I like Carrie. Thank God I am not like so-and-so. I'm not like this guy I work with. I've done it. I've done it, you guys. And when I read that the, uh, this past week or two, it pricked me. like, mm-hmm. I hear you. But you see, the tax collector, verse 13, standing afar off, he was in his bubble, y'all. He would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Jesus says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector, even though he was out doing wicked things and overpricing the people in, in his, uh, his job, he knew that he was doing wrong and he felt bad about it. So his heart was in the right place when he asked God for forgiveness. But the Pharisee, being self-righteous like he was, was in there parading around. Look at me, look at me. His heart was not in the right place. It would be a good prayer, except for that part, even as this tax collector or these other men. When he started right there, when he said, thank God I am not like these people over here, that's when it just went downhill. So we now know we can go to God about anything. We can go to God with simple words. We have to make sure our heart's in the right place. But we don't know how to put the words where they belong, right? I mean, let's all face it. We've sat there sometimes, and we've just been silent in prayer. Thank God the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. We can cry. God hears those tears. He counts them. They're special to Him. They speak a special language. The Holy Spirit does that for us. But if you find the words, what are you going to say? One of my other examples that I have this morning is in the book of Matthew. It's chapter 6. God gives us the example of how He wants us to pray. And it's, it's not a word-for-word word thing. I mean, I, I hear this prayer spoken verbatim all of the time. And that's a good thing. It's not bad to quote God's Word. But do you know what you're saying when you say the Lord's Prayer? I mean, it says, pray in... Or Jesus said in verse 9 before He even starts, in this manner, therefore pray. And He's given you the example. It's, it's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That is so powerful when you think about everything that those lines mean. Starting out, you're recognizing God for who He is. He's in heaven. He's holy. You turn around and then you just say, your will be done. You're, te- you're, you're telling God, I'm putting me last and I'm putting you first. Then you say, give us this daily bread. You're getting into his word. You're reading what he has to see. You're letting God speak to you first before you start anything else. Forgive my sins as I forgive those that sin against me. We just heard Dylan speaking this morning about Jesus forgiving 70 times 7. If Jesus is willing to forgive you infinitely, He expects you to forgive everybody else that wrongs you infinitely. It does not matter what they do, where they're from, what their past is about. Forgive them. You don't have to forget it. It's impossible to forget it. I'll never forget stubbing my toe or stepping on Legos barefoot. But I forgive myself for doing something so stupid. I forgive other people for doing things that wrong me, and I need to be able to forgive myself, but also ask for forgiveness when I wrong others. (laughs) Lead us not into temptation. We're wanting God to guide our paths. There's that verse in the book of Psalms, His light is a path unto my feet. Deliver us from the evil one. 
We all know who that is. And then it just sums it all up. It says everything is yours. You have control of all. Now, when you think about everything that we've talked about this morning, I think that we're at that point where we've gone full pinnacle now. We've talked about removing the frequencies of noise, removing all of our distractions, getting in your bubble, finding prayer, speaking to God and inviting him into your bubble to take control of what you need him to take control of. His will be done. You don't have to be so eloquent with it when you speak the Lord's Prayer to God. You just have to be able to mutter something out that he understands. God, Jesus, thank you. I love you. Thank you for, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for everything that I have. Just being thankful and gracious alone is an excellent start. God, help me today. You know something's coming up. You know you got some stress and some anxiety that's going to be facing you today. God, help me with that. And then when it hits you, remind yourself again, you ask God for his help. And remind God. God doesn't mind being reminded. He wants to be reminded because that's just increasing your faith. When you challenge God against his word, you're reminding him of what he promised you. You're increasing your faith. He's going to meet it. You got to be bold in your prayer. Don't be timid like the mouse. Be bold. Respect God. Right? Amen? You don't want to go up there and say things like you don't want to talk to him disrespectful like teenagers talk to adults, but you want to go up to him and you want to be bold to say, Now, God, you promised me this. Where are you at in your prayer life? Do you exercise it? I don't. I'm going to be the first one to admit it. I do not exercise my prayer life like I'm supposed to. This message, I believe I pinned it down, was more for me than it was for anybody sitting out there today. And I'm not afraid to admit that. But I know that I've got somewhere I've got to start. And this is, this is a great place for me. But God wants me to share it with you this morning because just maybe you need a reminder that you can talk to God in any fashion that you want to talk to God with respect, follow his word, but most of all, have your heart in the right place.